Book Six, Chapters Six and Seven of The Wars of the Jews. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Wars of the Jews by Josephus, translated by William Whiston, Chapters Six and Seven. Chapter Six: How the Romans Carried Their Ensigns to the Temple and Made Joyful Acclamations to Titus the speech that Titus made to the Jews when they made supplication for mercy, what reply they made thereto, and how that reply moved Titus's indignation against them. 1. And now the Romans, upon the flight of the seditious into the city, and upon the burning of the holy house itself, and of all the buildings round about it, brought their ensigns to the temple, and set them over against its eastern gate. Footnote. Take Havercamp's note here. This, says he, is a remarkable place, and Tertullian truly says in his Apologetic that the entire religion of the Roman camp almost consisted in worshipping the ensigns, in swearing by the ensigns, and in preferring the ensigns before all the other gods. See what Havercamp says upon that place of Tertullian. End footnote. And there did they offer sacrifices to them, and there did they make Titus imperator with the greatest acclamations of joy. Footnote. This declaring Titus imperator by the soldiers, upon such signal success, and the slaughter of such a vast number of enemies was according to the usual practice of the Romans in like cases, as Reland assures us on this place. And, footnote. and now all the soldiers had such vast quantities of the spoils which they had gotten by plunder, that in Syria a pound weight of gold was sold for half its former value. But as for those priests that kept themselves still upon the wall of the holy house, footnote, the Jews of later times agree with Josephus, that there were hiding-places or secret chambers about the holy house, as Reland here informs us, where he thinks he has found these very walls described by them. End footnote. There was a boy that, out of the thirst he was in, desired some of the Roman guards to give him their right hands as a security for his life, and confessed he was very thirsty. These guards commiserated his age, and the distress he was in, and gave him their right hands accordingly. So he came down himself, and drank some water, and filled the vessel he had with him when he came to them, with water, and then went off, and fled away to his own friends. Nor could any of these guards overtake him, but still they reproached him for his perfidiousness. To which he made this answer, I have not broken the agreement, for the security I had given me was not in order to my staying with you, but only in order to my coming down safely, and taking up some water, both which things I have performed, and thereupon think myself to have been faithful to my engagement." Thereupon those whom the child had imposed upon admired at his cunning, and that on account of his age. On the fifth day afterward the priests that were pined with the famine came down, and when they were brought to Titus by the guards, they begged for their lives. But he replied that the time of pardon was over as to them, and that this very holy house, on whose account only they could justly hope to be preserved, was destroyed, and that it was agreeable to their office that priests should perish with the house itself to which they belonged so he ordered them to be put to death. 2. But as for the tyrants themselves, and those that were there with them, when they found that they were encompassed on every side, and, as it were, walled around, without any method of escaping, they desired to treat with Titus by word of mouth. Accordingly, such was the kindness of his nature, and his desire for preserving the city from destruction, joined to the advice of his friends, who now thought the robbers were come to a temper, that he placed himself on the western side of the outer court of the temple, for there were gates on that side above the Zistus, 
and a bridge that connected the upper city to the temple. This bridge it was that lay between the tyrants and Caesar, and parted them, while the multitude stood on each side, those of the Jewish nation about Sinrin and John, with great hopes of pardon, and the Romans about Caesar, in great expectation how Titus would receive their supplication. So Titus charged his soldiers to restrain their rage, and to let their darts alone, and appointed an interpreter between them, which was a sign that he was the conqueror, and first began the discourse, and said, quote, I hope you, sirs, are now satiated with the miseries of your country, who have not had any just notions, either of our great power or of your own great weakness, but have, like madmen, after a violent and inconsiderate manner, made such attempts as have brought your people, your city, and your holy house to destruction. You have been the men that have never left off rebelling since Pompey first conquered you, and have, since that time, made open war with the Romans. Have you depended on your multitude, while a very small part of the Roman soldiery have been strong enough for you? Have you relied on the fidelity of your confederates? And what nations are there, out of the limits of our dominion, that would choose to assist the Jews before the Romans? Are your bodies stronger than ours? Nay, you know that the strong Germans themselves are our servants. Have you stronger walls than we have? Pray, what greater obstacle is there than the wall of the ocean, with which the Britons are encompassed, and yet do adore the arms of the Romans? Do you exceed us in courage of soul, and in the sagacity of your commanders? Nay, indeed, you cannot but know that the very Carthaginians have been conquered by us. It can therefore be nothing certainly but the kindness of us Romans which hath excited you against us, who, in the first place, have given you this land to possess, and, in the second place, have set over you kings of your own nation, and, in the third place, have preserved the laws of your forefathers to you, and have withal permitted you to live, either by yourselves or among others, as it should please you. And, what is our chief favor of all, we have given you leave to gather up that tribute which is paid to God with such other gifts that are dedicated to him. Footnote. Spanheim notes here that the Romans used to permit the Jews to collect their sacred tribute and send it to Jerusalem, of which we have had abundant evidence in Josephus already on other occasions. End footnote nor have we called those that carried these donations to account, nor prohibited them, till at length you became richer than we ourselves, even when you were our enemies, and you made preparations for war against us with our own money. Nay, after all, when you were in the enjoyment of all these advantages, you turned your too great plenty against those that gave it you, and, like merciless serpents, have thrown out your poison against those that treated you kindly." I suppose, therefore, that you must despise the slothfulness of Nero, and, like limbs of the body that are broken or dislocated, you did then lie quiet, waiting for some other time, though still with a malicious intention, and have now showed your distemper to be greater than ever, and have extended your desires as far as your impudent and immense hopes would enable you to do it. At this time my father came into this country, not with a design to punish you for what you had done under Cestius, but to admonish you. For had he come to overthrow your nation, he had run directly to your fountainhead, and had immediately laid this city waste. Whereas he went and burnt Galilee and the neighboring parts, and thereby gave you time for repentance. Which instance of humanity you took for an argument of his weakness, and nourished up your impudence by our mildness. When Nero was gone out of the world, you did as the wickedest wretches would have done, and encouraged yourselves to act against us by our civil dissensions, and abused that time, when both I and my father were gone away to Egypt, to make preparations for this war. 
nor were you ashamed to raise disturbances against us when we were made emperors, and this while you had experienced how mild we had been, when we were no more than generals of the army. But when the government was devolved upon us, and all other people did thereupon lie quiet, and even foreign nations sent embassies, and congratulated our access to the government, then did you Jews show yourselves to be our enemies. You sent embassies to those of your nation that are beyond Euphrates, to assist you in your raising disturbances. New walls were built by you round your city, seditions arose, and one tyrant contended against another, and a civil war broke out among you, such indeed as become none but so wicked a people as you are. I then came to this city, as unwillingly sent by my father, and received melancholy injunctions from him. When I heard that the people were disposed to peace, I rejoiced at it. I exhorted you to leave off these proceedings before I began this war. I spared you even when you had fought against me a great while. I gave my right hand as security to the deserters. I observed what I had promised faithfully. When they fled to me, I had compassion on many of those that I had taken captive. I tortured those that were eager for war in order to restrain them. It was unwillingly that I brought my engines of war against your walls. I always prohibited my soldiers, when they were set upon your slaughter, from their severity against you. After every victory I persuaded you to peace, as though I had been myself conquered. When I came near your temple, I again departed from the laws of war, and exhorted you to spare your own sanctuary, and to preserve your holy house to yourselves. I allowed you a quiet exit out of it, and security for your preservation. Nay, if you had a mind, I gave you leave to fight in another place." yet have you still despised every one of my proposals, and have set fire to your holy house with your own hands. And now, vile wretches, do you desire to treat with me by word of mouth? To what purpose is it that you would save such a holy house as this was, which is now destroyed? What preservation can you now desire after the destruction of your temple? Yet do you stand still at this very time in your armor, nor can you bring yourselves so much as to pretend to be supplicants, even in this your utmost extremity. O oh, miserable creatures! What is it you depend on? Are not your people dead? Is not your holy house gone? Is not your city in my power? And are not your own very lives in my hands? And do you still deem it a part of valor to die? However, I will not intimate your madness. If you throw down your arms and deliver up your bodies to me, I grant you your lives." and I will act like a mild master of a family. What cannot be healed shall be punished, and the rest I will preserve for my own use. End quote. 3. To that offer of Titus they made this reply, that they could not accept of it, because they had sworn never to do so, but they desired they might have leave to go through the wall that had been made about them, with their wives and children, for that they would go into the desert and leave the city to him. At this Titus had great indignation, that when they were in the case of men already taken captives, they should pretend to make their own terms with him, as if they had been conquerors. So he ordered this proclamation to be made to them, that they should no more come out to him as deserters, nor hope for any further security, for that he would henceforth spare nobody, but fight them with his whole army, and that they must save themselves as well as they could, for that he would from henceforth treat them according to the laws of war. So he gave orders to the soldiers both to burn and to plunder the city, who did nothing indeed that day, but on the next day they set fire to the repository of the archives, to Acre, to the council house, and to the place called Ophlas, 
at which time the fire proceeded as far as the palace of Queen Helena, which was in the middle of Acra. The lanes also were burnt down, as were also those houses that were full of the dead bodies of such as were destroyed by famine. 4. On the same day it was that the sons and brethren of Izates the king, together with many others of the eminent men of the populace, got together there, and besought Caesar to give them his right hand for their security, though he was very angry at all that were now remaining, yet he did not lay aside his old moderation, but received these men. At that time, indeed, he kept them all in custody, but still bound the king's sons and kinsmen, and led them with him to Rome, in order to make them hostages for their country's fidelity to the Romans. Chapter 7. What afterward befell the seditious when they had done a great deal of mischief, and suffered many misfortunes, as also how Caesar became master of the upper city. 1. And now the seditious rushed into the royal palace, into which they had put their effects, because it was so strong, and drove the Romans away from it. They also slew all the people that had crowded into it, who were in number about eight thousand four hundred, and plundered them of what they had. They also took two of the Romans alive, the one was a horseman and the other a footman. They then cut the throat of the footman, and immediately had him drawn through the whole city, as revenging themselves upon the whole body of the Romans by this one instance. But the horseman said he had somewhat to suggest to them in order to their preservation, whereupon he was brought before Simon, but he having nothing to say when he was there, he was delivered to Ardalus, one of his commanders, to be punished, who bound his hands behind him, and put a riband over his eyes, and then brought him out over against the Romans, as intending to cut off his head. But the man prevented that execution, and ran away to the Romans, and this while the Jewish executioner was drawing out his sword. Now when he was gotten away from the enemy, Titus could not think of putting him to death, but because he deemed him unworthy of being a Roman soldier any longer, on account that he had been taken alive by the enemy, he took away his arms, and ejected him out of the legion whereto he had belonged, which, to one that had a sense of shame, was a penalty severer than death itself. 2. On the next day the Romans drove the robbers out of the lower city, and set all on fire as far as Salome. These soldiers were indeed glad to see the city destroyed, but they missed the plunder, because the seditious had carried off all their effects, and were retired into the upper city, for they did not yet at all repent of the mischiefs they had done, but were insolent as if they had done well, for, as they saw the city on fire, they appeared cheerful, and put on joyful countenances, in expectation, as they said, of death to end their miseries. Accordingly, as the people were now slain, the holy house was burnt down, and the city was on fire, there was nothing further left for the enemy to do. Yet did not Josephus grow weary, even in this utmost extremity, to beg to them to spare what was left of the city. He spoke largely to them about their barbarity and impiety, and gave them his advice in order to their escape, though he gained nothing thereby more than to be laughed at by them. And as they could not think of surrendering themselves up, because of the oath they had taken, nor were strong enough to fight with the Romans any longer upon the square, as being surrounded on all sides, and a kind of prisoners already, yet they were so accustomed to kill people, that they could not restrain their right hands from acting accordingly. So they dispersed themselves before the city, and laid themselves in ambush among its ruins, to catch those that attempted to desert to the Romans. Accordingly, many such deserters were caught by them, and were all slain. 
for these were too weak, by reason of their want of food, to fly away from them, so their dead bodies were thrown to the dogs. Now every other sort of death was thought more tolerable than the famine, insomuch that, though the Jews despaired now of mercy, yet would they fly to the Romans, and would themselves, even of their own accord, fall among the murderous rebels also. Nor was there any place in the city that had no dead bodies in it, but what was entirely covered with those that were killed either by the famine or the rebellion, and all was full of the dead bodies of such as had perished, either by that sedition or by that famine. 3. So now the last hope which supported the tyrants, and that crew of robbers who were with them, was in the caves and caverns underground, whither, if they could once fly, they did not expect to be searched for, but endeavored that after the whole city should be destroyed and the Romans gone away, they might come out again and escape from them. This was no better than a dream of theirs, for they were not able to lie hid either from God or from the Romans. However, they depended on these underground subterfuges, and set more places on fire than did the Romans themselves. And those that fled out of their houses thus set on fire into the ditches, they killed without mercy, and pillaged them also. And if they discovered food belonging to any one, they seized upon it and swallowed it down, together with their blood also. Nay, they were now come to fight one with another about their plunder. And I cannot but think that, had not their destruction prevented it, their barbarity would have made them taste of even the dead bodies themselves. End of Book 6, Chapters 6 and 7